All right. Live on call in. Talking about the real Bill Gates Day going live on the tube and on the pod. So one second and we're going to get started right now. Here we go. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Back to in case you forgot, I forgot the name of the show. Today, we are taking you through the editorial process of an independent media creator from finding out the quote-unquote news from the mainstream and show you how to reverse engineer from that to the truth. So let's get into it. Came across this uh, interview not too long ago. I believe it was like May 2nd, May 3rd with Bill Gates. We're the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who has been instrumental in COVID, V-A-C-C-I-N-A-T-I-O-N distribution. I worry about the algorithm because you never know. So on this channel, we do something a little different than the mainstream media, the MSM. We tell you Here's all the facts and things that we found. And now you should go verify and do your own research and come to your own conclusions and do not take our word for it. That is our cardinal rule. So from watching this interview to observing the body language and responses, I don't think I need to tell you what to make of it. You just determine it yourself. If you think, hey, it's all truthful and honest and this guy is the best doctor in the world that didn't go to medical school or have any, you know, training whatsoever, that's fine. That is fine. But if you find it a little off, then we're going to show you how we did a little research and we're going to get into that research. Um, And it started, I'll play the video first, but it started looking at his crunch base Bill Gates' crunch base. See his investments. Because it's very interesting when you're very outspoken about certain things like global health, about you know carbon emissions. I wanted to see if all the investments he's been making recently or grants from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they're called grants. By the way, he calls himself a philanthrocapitalist but he's often referred to as a philanthropist. So before we get into the video, I want, I Googled philanthropist. And what came up is this, philanthropy. And keep this in mind as we go through this. Philanthropy, the desire to promote the welfare of others expressed especially by the generous donation of money to good causes. For example, he acquired a considerable fortune and was noted for his philanthropy. Or a philanthropic institution, which is also a charity. A philanthropy was incorporated to help oldsters obtain benefits like pension rights. So charity and philanthropic institutions are the same thing. Giving away, not profiteering, right? So let's 
get into the vid and let's take it from there. I'm already talking too long. It's just crazy what I found and all this stuff, but let's get to it. If you're listening, you're going to hear it. So here we go. This is from NBC News and it's about five minutes. I'll play it all and uh, just take a listen. He's been using the fortune that earned him to change the world. The Gates Foundation giving away tens of billions of dollars over the past decade. He also famously predicted the world was unprepared for a pandemic in a 2015 TED Talk that was unfortunately accurate and has been viewed now 43 million times. Well, he's sounding the alarm That's again amazing. this morning. His new book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic, is out today. It's also been a year of upheaval in his own life after he and Melinda, his wife of 27 years, announced their divorce one year ago today. So, Bill, we have so much to catch up on. It's good to see you. Good morning. Good to see you. Well, I, I think this is the definition of what they call a hard sell. You're, you're out here promoting a book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic, and you know people are sick and tired of hearing about the pandemic. Uh, they have COVID fatigue. Why is this the moment to have this conversation? Well, I don't want us to wait uh, until we forget about how awful this has been. I mean, we've had tens of millions of deaths, you know, trillions of dollars of economic loss education loss, mental depression, uh, and with a few key steps, we can make sure this won't happen again. There's something strangely optimistic about this book. You've got a whole bunch of ideas on how to actually prevent the next pandemic. One idea, you, you compare it to firefighters. We need kind of a global firefighting team that's ready to uh, find the next pandemic and respond to it. How would it work? Well, in firefighting, we're all trained to know that, you know, there's the exit. Uh, we, the U.S. alone has over 300,000 full-time firefighters. So we take it seriously because if one house burns down, it can, uh, you know, affect an entire community. Pandemics are even worse. And we didn't practice. We weren't ready to go. A few countries that were more ready, uh, like Australia, have 10% the deaths that we have. So... Uh, the debate about exactly how to invest in that preparedness now is the right time, even though we're still trying to get out of this one. Yeah, you've argued that basically pandemics, um, disease is inevitable, but pandemics are not. And if you spend billions now, you save trillions later. Is that a pretty good summary of the book? Yeah, tell big, me if, big return. Tell me about, um, you, you have this germ team that you propose. We have the World Health Organization. Why isn't that enough? Well, they're not funded actually uh, to go to countries and practice. They're not funded to fly in where there's an outbreak. Uh, so they need about a billion a year, 3,000 more people that would stay dedicated to pandemics. You know, pandemics don't come very often, so it's easy to, to take your personnel and go work on other things. And here, we'd make sure that this team had those skills and was always practicing. By the way, in some ways we were lucky with this pandemic. It certainly could have been a more contagious virus and it could, could have been more lethal. Yeah, the lethality uh, you know, ends up being about 0.3%. Uh, smallpox is 30%. So this is not the worst case to make these investments in preparedness. When you look at how the U.S. and the world responded to COVID-19, whether it's masks or vaccines or shutdowns, closures, it's become so political. I wonder if, if it happened again, if it was March 2020 all over again with COVID-19, would we even be able to mount as effective a response as we did last time around? It's been so politicized. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate that uh, we didn't get trusted voices in both parties talking about the benefit of masks and vaccines uh, so that it wasn't a political issue. I think everybody does support the health workers who are heroes. Uh, I think they support the innovation where we got the vaccine out faster uh, than ever before, and that has saved millions of lives. Even that vaccine, we can make a better one where you never get infected. Uh, uh, so, you know, innovation, uh, like in many areas, is where I see a potential for a consensus and for avoiding most of the damage. Yeah, the book, if you want to geek out on some of the innovations and where the technology is, a vaccine you can inhale, a pan vaccine, it's in there. But let's talk about misinformation, because that has been a hallmark, unfortunately, of this pandemic. President Biden rather famously said last July that misinformation on social media is killing people. Do you agree? Absolutely. Uh, it's been weird that, you know, vaccines have been attacked as, you know, being overall net negative or there's some conspiracy here. It's terrible. Well, some of it affects you. You're, yeah. you're part of these conspiracy theories. That is a very weird thing that just because I support vaccines to save millions of lives, people are saying, no, I, you know, I make money from vaccines or that I'm trying to, you know, cause death or track or uh, a lot of strange stuff. Uh, hard to understand why that is. Well, you know, misinformation is. All right. All right. All right. So, you know, on this podcast, when we hear the word conspiracy, when we hear the word conspiracy, you know what happens. When we hear the word conspiracy, we do research because we love looking into what appears to be non-conspiratorial after you look into a conspiracy. He said, there's a few things he said. I'm going to go through them real quick. He said how Australia is doing a great job. That, when I posted on TikTok uh a few a few days ago about someone asking America to remember who we are and to come help them and that China's on their doorstep, um, that it was taken down from TikTok for being hateful speech for posting that. That's one. He's complimenting them. It's almost like opposite day with everything he says. He says the word conspiracy, which means, okay, research must be done. Conspiracy equals research. And then he says, it's so weird People are saying that I'm making money off these vaccines. That is so strange, Bill. Well, let's get into the facts. So I'm going to start off actually with, I really took that last part of, okay, making money from vaccines. I figured we can find out that answer. Like he says, it's conspiracy. He says it's a conspiracy theory. So I wanted, strangely, to see what his recent investments were. So I went to Crunchbase, I typed in Bill Gates, and I wanted to look at all the recent companies that he invested in. And all of them, every single one, has to either do with carbon emissions, okay, or it has to do with some sort of radar tracking technology, which also he said was conspiracy, <laughs> or public health and in, in, in vaccine distribution, in the making of drugs, in uh, making pharmacies the center of public health, which I'll, I'll show you. I'm going to share all this stuff. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's 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 bad. It's crazy. So the first company is called OxyTech. OK, 
And if you're, if you're watching this, um, I'm sharing the screen, but if you're listening, it's called OxyTech, which is O-X-I-T-E-C. And you go to their website and it says friendly, which says trademark, by the way. The word friendly says trademarked. Friendly and powerful technology for a changing planet. And then in parentheses in very small letters it says, and it's changing fast. And it's got like, you know, a video playing in the background of a, of a kid kicking like a soccer ball. People seem to be celebrating. Everyone's free. Like you think the world's just in a state of like, you know, just a utopian society. It's just amazing, right? Everyone's celebrating. You scroll down and the very first thing, there are two options you can click for this oxitech.com. It is either a button that says public health or another button that says food sustainability. Rather interesting, right? Why is that interesting? Well, we were in a pandemic or we're being told that we're in a pandemic that will never end. So whichever side you're on with that, there's a pandemic involved that has to do with public health. And now you're hearing of agricultural issues with the Dutch farmers, which Sri Lanka falling, which they banned fertilizer because they wanted to farm organically, even though that's impossible. And so now they just overthrew their government and people are starving and there's famines, but they are going to help with food sustainability. So I wanted to look a little bit further. And so I clicked the public health one. I clicked public health and it says that Oxitec is pioneering innovative biological insect control technology to combat mosquitoes that transmit disease. And it specifically goes into detail about how Oxitec's trademarked word of friendly, that's ridiculous, mosquito delivered up to 96% suppression of wild, I'm going to say this wrong because it's the Latin word, Aedes aegypti, but to make it really clear, it's yellow fever. Okay. They, these are mosquitoes that give yellow fever and it says our purpose and it's very long. I'm not going to read it. And it just says in one part in the third paragraph, it says, I'm going to change the Latin word for yellow fever. So it says the yellow fever mosquito is an increasingly, increasingly global threat now living alongside half of the world's population. After decades of effort, there is still no cure or specific treatment for many diseases transmitted by the yellow fever mosquito. And public health agencies are trying to stop these devastating diseases at their common source by controlling the mosquito itself. So then I thought, wait a second, let me just highlight this word, this Latin word, and Google it, right? So that's what I did. And so I Googled the mosquitoes Latin word that gives, um, that, that you get yellow fever from. And I came to the first thing that popped up was yellow fever vaccine. It said, we have no cure. It said, we have no cure. And I search it and it says all these listings, yellow fever vaccine. Okay. So then I went to uhhospitals.org and wanted to look at the symptoms of yellow fever. And it has three bullet points. It says some more stuff. It says high fever, flu-like symptoms, abdominal pain. 
And then I click the CDC one. It says yellow fever vaccine. A safe and effective yellow fever vaccine has been available for more than 80 years. The vaccine is a live, weakened form of the virus given as a shot. It's recommended for people age nine months or older. It's required for some entry. It says a single dose provides life, lifelong protections. So then it has another part where it says reactions to yellow fever vaccine. Remember, there's a yellow fever vaccine. I just read to you that the company, the most recent company that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave a grant to, it is literally a company that is trying to find a cure for yellow fever because it doesn't exist yet. But they are distributing yellow fever vaccines for 80 years to eliminate it. Um, okay. Well, something's a little weird. So then I click CDC. I read you what I said. And then I click reactions to yellow fever uh, vaccine, right? And I read you like the symptoms where it's like abdominal pain or you have a cold. So I want to see how that compared to the reactions of the fever vaccine right? Like I imagine the disease symptoms have to be way worse than the vaccine uh, side effects, right? Otherwise the cost benefit ratio wouldn't make a lot of sense. It would be quite odd. So drugs.com, you go yellow fever vaccine side effects. And I had three bullet points for what happens when you get yellow fever, but here are the side effects listed on drugs.com for yellow fever. There were three bullet points. You heard them. Here's what the yellow vaccine, yellow fever vaccine can cause. Confusion, convulsions, seizures, coughing, difficulty with breathing or swallowing, fast heartbeat, feeling of burn, burning, crawling, or tingling of the skin, nervousness or irritability, reddening of the skin, severe headaches, skin rash or itching, sneezing, stiff neck, throbbing in the ears, unusual uh, tiredness or weakness, vomiting. Sorry, those were the rare ones. Here's less common ones. There's a whole other section. Difficulty with moving. Difficulty with moving. Okay, really? That's not good. Joint pain, low fever, mild headache, muscle aching or cramping, muscle pains or stiffness, pain at the injection site, swollen joints. Okay, what's going on here? There are more side effects than there are from the actual disease. there are more side effects than the actual disease. So Bill, or Bill Gates says conspiracy with making money off the vaccines. He's investing in a company that's trying to create one, whatever, be that as it may, I just thought that was really interesting. Now, before I get into his other investments, I wanna stay on topic with the, um, with his conspiracy theory of, he said conspiracy theory of him making money off vaccines. In Wired Magazine on May 18, 2021, there's an article that is called The World Loses Under Bill Gates Vaccine Colonialism. As many countries wait for COVID vaccines, the world needs a patent-free, quote, people's vaccine not more of Gates' intellectual property stubbornness. And just to give you some context before I get in, actually, you know what, I'm just going to go into it. After weeks of immense pressure, the Biden administration came out in support of waiving intellectual property rights to coronavirus vaccines. That sounds 
good. Let's just put what you feel about the vaccine aside. Do we want to help humans or not? That's a binary thing. We want to help humans, right? I do. I'll speak for myself. I do. I'm pro-human. I love human beings. I'm all about them. I'm one too, by the way. Um, shortly after the Biden announcement earlier this month, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation also reversed course and endorsed the patent waiver. Reverse course. But Bill Gates himself, subject to revived scrutiny around sexual misconduct, oh boy, because he was good friends with Epstein, but that's something we'll get into in a little bit. And perhaps the most powerful person in global health hasn't budged. While United States residents are being quickly vaccinated and may see an end to the pandemic in sight. Remember, this was a year ago, so don't get excited. There will be lockdowns coming in a few months, but I don't want to get sidetracked. You can listen to the last podcast episode if you want to know about that. Most countries in the world will likely have to wait years for many of their vaccine doses. In a situation being described as vaccine apartheid, I'm not good at words sometimes, Almost half of all vaccine shots have been administered in just 16 rich countries, and India is weathering a horrific coronavirus crisis. This could have been avoided, says. Early last year, countries in the global south compelled the World Health Organization to unveil a technology sharing pool called CTAP that would have removed intellectual property barriers for accessing COVID-19 treatments and vaccines. Let me translate that for you. What that means is that they would do what Elon Musk does with Tesla, which is when you get a patent, you make it open source, publicly available, and it's not a proprietary advantage. You share it because you ultimately are all trying to get whatever is the best outcome for a certain group of people, which in this case is the entire human race. It goes on to say, global health czar Bill Gates had other thoughts. Maintaining his steadfast commitment to intellectual property rights, Gates pushed for a plan that would permit companies to hold exclusive rights to life-saving medicines, no matter how much they benefit from public funding. Given the enormous influence Gates has in the global public health world, his vision ultimately won out in the COVAX program, which we'll get into later, which enshrines monopoly patent rights and relies on the charitable whims of rich countries and pharmaceutical giants to provide vaccines to most of the world. A course of support from pharmaceutical companies and the Trump administration didn't hurt. Should we be surprised that a monopolist turned philanthropist maintains his commitment to monopoly patent rights as a philanthropist too? So, Here's the context. In 2001, Gates emerged from an antitrust saga determined to vindicate his reputation. The federal government's case against Microsoft, in which Gates was co-founder of, was novel in that it targeted what was at the time a new type of monopolistic practice, which was called and is called intellectual property antitrust. In Microsoft's case, this looked like the manipulation of its software in anti-competitive ways, and it painted Gates as a ruthless monopolist. What happened? Microsoft ended up settling with the government. Hmm, perhaps an omission of guilt. So Gates has a history 
of being a monopolist, which by the way, that's very difficult to be. I can only think of like John D. Rockefeller as being another one with Standard Oil. But <laughs> that's not here nor there. So he was, people forget because people forget what happened like five years ago and nobody knows any history, including myself. I'm just learning all this stuff now because I woke up and I'm starting to realize what's going on in the world. And now I'm just revisiting history and realizing, oh my God, it's always been here. I just was watching a, a gold pocket watch in front of my face being hypnotized for 33 years. But hey, you wake up eventually, right? So Gates chose to launder his reputation by tried and true phil philanthropic giving. But as he pivoted into global health, his faith in exclusive IP rights remained unchanged. If they helped him build a global software, software empire, apparently they should help him save lives in the global South too, despite evidence from the AIDS and polio epidemics to the contrary. Okay, so it goes on to talk a lot about this. And... And, and COVAX, which I mentioned earlier. And so I'll read this last paragraph and then I'm going to get into a lot of crazy, crazy information. Throughout the last two decades, Gates has repeatedly advocated for public health policies that bolster companies' ability to exclude others from producing life-saving drugs, including allowing the Gates Foundation itself to acquire substantial intellectual property. This continues through the COVID-19 pandemic which, by the way, is never going to end unless we come together as people and put all of our label, our 9,000 labels we put on each other and just say, hey, are you human? I'm human. Do you want what's good for me? I want what's good for you. You want what's good for you. I want what's good for me. Okay, let's be friends. All right, now let's point at the World Economic Forum. Okay, great. Get the Republican, Democrat, or whatever else you want to label yourself as. It means nothing. That's second and third tier. Okay? There are two teams. There is the global elite that owns everything, and then there is peasants. And if you're listening to this, you're not in the club. You're not in the club. I'm sorry you didn't get in. You're not in the club. You're part of the peasants. I'm part of the peasants. I'm telling you it's not that bad. It's actually pretty awesome. But if peasants fight peasants, then the global elite, just, the global elite they do. They eat more, but they, they also just grab more and keep taking more and more while we bicker amongst each other about stuff that truly really doesn't matter because if you keep bickering with each other before you know it, you're going to bicker each other into an authoritarian regime. Okay? No one in this world ever chose to live in a totalitarian environment. It just happened. It happens by being distracted and by bickering at each other while... Someone else is taking over the world. In this case, it's Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and that whole gang over there. So let me keep going. Sorry about that sidetrack. I get it. I get I get excited. All right. I get really excited because I have faith in the people. I really do. And I always bring this up and I go, I have I'm I just got faith in humans, no matter what. Like we always find a way. There's more of us now than ever. We're still here. And everyone's like, you're an idiot. Humans are dumb. Like they'll never happen. I'm like, what? Like, I truly believe it will, but everyone says I'm foolish. But also, everyone said I was foolish for the things I was starting to realize were true. It's telling me that I'm a conspiracy theorist when I do not have any interest in conspiracy theories, never have had any interest in conspiracy theories, never liked that stuff. I know a lot of people do. I do not. I'm all about, like, nonfiction and stuff, like biographies. But, yeah. 
I digress. On top of steering the global health community towards COVAX rather than patent-free technology sharing, last year Gates bragged about convincing Oxford University not to open license to its vaccine. Gates leveraged his $750 million donation to the university for vaccine research, even though its vaccine was developed in a publicly funded lab. Don't talk about the lab or we will ban you from Twitter. I'm just kidding. Eventually, Oxford sold the sole right of production to AstraZeneca with no guarantee of low prices and an extraordinary opportunity for profit. I want to stop right there for a second because guess what happens next? Yes, we look into the cap table of AstraZeneca. We want to know if Bill Gates' conspiracy theory of him making money on vaccines is actually a conspiracy theory or, as we keep finding out, simply either delayed truths or truths that were unknown or seems to be just something that's true and we just didn't know. So he's like, I don't know how people come to these conclusions. That's ridiculous, the conspiracy theorists. And if you're listening to this, guess what? You didn't even know it, but you're a conspiracy theorist. I didn't even know it. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm trying to seek the truth here. I don't get paid by big pharma advertisers to keep this going. I just bought a microphone and I'm in a room that's like still unfurnished while you got the MSM, the mainstream media. I want to call it the MSM. I feel like it's a good hashtag. The MSM is telling you stuff when their business model, again, is funded by the largest corporations in the world because A, nobody can afford commercials and B, nobody watches commercials anymore. So nobody's going to waste their money on it unless you have a ridiculous amount, which is why 80 percent. 80, 80, 80% of commercials are for pharmaceuticals. What, 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 what else am I supposed to say? I, I'm not here to convince anyone of anything. I don't have an agenda. But if your largest customers sell a particular product, and you share the news or distribute information, disseminate information to people, and that in order to do that, you need to have money to support the operation, and your money comes from advertisers, which is 80% of Big Pharma, do you think that those sources have an inclination to speak favorably towards those advertisers? But yet you're going to label me as a conspiracy theorist with a show and a podcast that earn no money right now whatsoever and talking about stuff I don't even want to talk about, but I feel like I have to do the right thing and help others awaken as well and learn this stuff. That is the most ludicrous, dumbfounded thing ever. And if that makes sense in your head, God bless your soul. I still love you. But that is really weird. That just doesn't really make sense, right? So anyways, let's get back into Bill Gates' conspiracy theory and see if it's a conspiracy theory or not a conspiracy theory. I don't know. I just think this is wrong. I know. I know. I can't say that. I'm not trying to be biased here. I'm not biased. I'm just reading it. So in KHN.org, COVID-19, they pledged to donate rights to their COVID vaccine 
then sold them to pharma with a big picture of AstraZeneca, okay? In a business driven by profit, vaccines have a problem. They're not very profitable, at least not without government subsidies. Pharma companies favor expensive medications that must be taken repeatedly and generate revenue for years or decades. Vaccines are often only given once or twice, or in the case of COVID, soon to be 500 times. In many parts of the world, established vaccines cost a few dollars per dose or less. The first sentence was, in a business driven by profit, vaccines have a problem. I know that we have this, we really want to have this belief that the big pharma and our government wants what's best for us because they care. They care. They've always been there for you and they'll always be there for you. It's not your parents, it's not your friends, it's not your kids, it's not anything like It's Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca. But let's stay on topic here before I get too carried away. We are looking at AstraZeneca to see if Bill Gates is behind it. So what do we do? We look up Bill Gates' vaccine ownership. <laughs> I, I, like, <laughs> I can't even make it up. This is like, that's all you got to type in. This is crazy. And you go to the Motley Fool and it says, <laughs> this is September 24, 2020. Four coronavirus vaccine stocks the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is betting on. Okay, really? Hmm, let's look into the facts. This seems so, it's almost, I, it must be, and I'm been, I've really, really been spending a lot of time trying to figure this out. I think the issue fundamentally right now, what's going on, and you, you guys can, you know, take this, for what you want and see what you think. But I think what's wrong is, or what's going on, sorry, is that um, we, when you have experienced, when you have trusted something for such a long period of time, and then it happens to all be untrue decades after, or years after, however many after, then it's such a deep-rooted belief that these sources would never lie to you that if you were to accept that it was all untrue, it may take away your whole worldview or disrupt other beliefs. Like if that's not true, then I can't trust anything. And then you just lose it and go insane and end up in a psych ward on Pfizer meds and Moderna meds. And then boom, you're the best patient ever. No, I'm seriously, you just end up getting like crazy and, and you lose it while also giving money to the very companies that were funding these operations and media outlets for so long. So I think that's the fundamental issue because even my brain, and I'm, I'm pretty contrarian and I, nor, like pretty normally, although I just woke up to this, and it seems such like a meta concept that everything's been a lie, that it is just like unfathomable. Like, and we're seeing it all crumble before our eyes in a good way because the it's the best thing ever, right? It's the best thing ever of the internet, unless you're Bill Gates, because Bill Gates, in fact, I should just go to this video now where he says what's really bad. And you heard him say in that video, what was really bad is that we didn't 
have voices on both sides of the aisle in the U.S. to say the narrative that would benefit his foundation, which makes money off the very things that are needed to solve the pandemic, supposedly. That's a whole different issue. We're not getting into that. We're just talking about Bill Gates here. So Bill Gates' conspiracy theory of making money. So what's the first stock that Pfizer, or sorry, I just ruined it. There goes that. The very first one, Bill Gates recently stated that he views Pfizer as the leader in the coronavirus vaccine race. In a CNNBC interview, he said the only vaccine that if everything went perfectly might seek emergency use license by the end of October would be Pfizer. So his organization, his foundation has stock in Pfizer since 2002, which coincides, by the way, when he went from being a monopolistic Microsoft guy to this whole philanthropy life and got super into vaccines and stuff. And you can learn more about that yourself. You can go read the book, The Real Anthony Fauci. You can go do your own independent research, take it at what you will. We're just going through the four stocks that the Bill Melinda Gates unbelievably bet on. And also, which we're going to get into right after this, is his op-ed in Wall Street Journal in January of 2019. It's going to blow your socks off. But the other three are bio and tech, CureVac, and VIR biotechnology. All of them are makers of a COVID-19 vaccine. With CureVac, and we'll get to this in a little bit, CureVac is the one that developed the mRNA platform. And how much did they invest? Well, in 2015, they invested $52 million into CureVac. Not only did he predict the pandemic in his TED Talk, this guy is like, this guy is like Nostradamus. This guy is like, like if he says something, it's going to happen. And his book of how to stop the next pandemic, you best believe there's another pandemic. And it's monkeypox. I, you can go listen to that episode too. And he says it later in that interview. I stopped it, but he says in that interview, or maybe he said it, I'm not sure, where he's like, this fatality was only 0.3, But in the case of smallpox, which by the way, was supposedly already eradicated and only existed, like the actual virus existed in top secret labs, one in the US and one in Russia, but go look it up yourself. The one in the US all of a sudden was missing. Just so you know, go do your own research. Was missing from the lab. And the US has ordered monkeypox vaccines like, go listen to my monkeypox episode. Like literally m- months ago, they ordered monkeypox vaccines. But the, the point is, is that 30% of people is the fatality rate of smallpox. And you could just, when I say smallpox, you can think monkeypox. And when I think monkeypox, or when I say monkeypox, you can think smallpox. They're synonymous, they're the same thing. It's just a different name because they can't use smallpox because if they use smallpox, you would be awfully confused given that you thought it was gone, <laughs> right? It's almost so crazy, you, can't, you cannot make this up. Like, I'm, why in the world would anyone make this up? I mean, this is just bananas. And again, we need to talk about this before they turn us into bananas with QR codes on our forehead. 
Otherwise, it's just not going to be good. So, yes, this is bananas, but I don't want to be a, a banana. Gates Foundation, pharmaceutical companies join to advance coronavirus vaccines. But before I get to that, the Wall Street Journal. Okay, this is crazy. And I'm going to play a video or an audio if you're listening. In, on January 16th, 2019, Bill Gates wrote in the Wall Street Journal, he literally told us everything and no one paid any attention. It's called Bill Gates, the best investment I've ever made. Global health groups that buy and distribute medicines are a sure bet for saving lives, but their government funding is now in danger and even the biggest uh, philanthropies can't fill the gap. And he goes on to talk about his returns on vaccines which I found fascinating since we're just here to help people. It says, and I quote, the Copenhagen Consensus Center is a think tank that uses sophisticated algorithms. And the he wrote this. I want, He wrote this. Bill Gates wrote this. This is his article. So the Copenhagen Consensus Center is a think tank that uses sophisticated algorithms and the best available data to compare alternate poverty fighting strategies. Their tools have allowed us to test an interesting hypothesis. Suppose that our foundation hadn't invested in Gavi, the global fund, and GPEI, and had instead put that $10 billion into the S&P 500. First of all, why are you comparing philanthropy, which we just discussed as charity and giving away, to making money in the stock market? Those two things are not even remotely related to each other, but I continue. Promising to give the balance to developing countries 18 years later. As of last week, those countries would have received about $12 billion adjusted for inflation or $17 billion if we factor in reinvested dividends. What? What are we even talking about here? I thought we were talking about global health. What if we had invested $10 billion in energy products in the developing world? In that case, the return would have been $150 billion. What about infrastructure? $170 billion. By investing in global health institutions, however, we exceeded all of those returns. The $10 billion that we gave to help provide vaccines, drugs, bed nets, and other supplies in developing countries create an estimated $200 billion in economic benefits. Did, did you guys hear that? Did everyone hear that? 10 billion to make 200 billion off of your health. But don't get me wrong, he cares about you. I know, I'm no, I'm a conspiracy theorist. We know. So I want to um I want to play this video or this audio if you're listening. And this was um when I clicked it in the article, it opened it up on Facebook, and on Facebook it said this is misleading information, or it's like it's like misinformation. It said basically, and uh, and then you could still click and see the video, and so obviously that's what I did. And so let me get to it because I haven't even talked about his, all of his investments in fake food and different, uh, you know, making meat out of animal cells and whatnot. Oh my gosh, this stuff is just crazy. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Sorry for that. Just take a listen. And again, on this channel, on this show, 
which I'm going to change again to just in case you forgot, instead of in case you forgot the ownership economy, just FYI. We tell you to think for yourself because we trust you. I trust you. And I think being free is important. So take a listen and make your own judgment. That's my point. I'd like to talk to you about your approach to vaccinations. You wrote something recently, and, and like you always do, you kind of looked at the problem from a scientific and business perspective on things. You've invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that. And it kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? Well, it's pretty impressive that, I mean, you take these vaccines, uh, get them to be very inexpensive by making big volume commitments, have that right relationship with the private sector, uh, get the delivery system so they're really getting the coverage out there, you literally save millions of lives. And 20 years ago, when we created these new multilateral organizations, Gavi for the vaccines, uh, Global Fund uh, for HIV, uh, TB and malaria, we didn't know they'd be successful. They've gone through lots of challenges about making sure the money gets there, making sure the efficiency is right. But as we look at upcoming replenishments for those, and we've got so much distraction uh, politically that the international uh, needs like this could uh, get eclipsed if we're not careful. You know, we see a, a phenomenal track record. It's been $100 billion overall that the world's put in. Our foundation uh, is a bit more than $10 billion, uh, but we feel there's been over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just looked at the economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. The human benefit uh, in millions of lives saved. So, you know, we're here with a pretty strong message that uh, although all these other issues are very important, let's not forget about the great success in global health and maintaining that commitment. I think the numbers that you ran through were if you had put that money into an S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends, you'd come up with something like $17 billion, but you think it's $200 billion. Here, yeah. You know, helping young children live... Uh, get the right nutrition, uh, contribute to their countries, that has a payback that goes beyond any typical financial return. Right. Um, Scott Gottlieb, the FDA commissioner, just wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times, I think over this past weekend. And he took a look at it and said, because of all the anti-vaxxers, people who are opposed to this in the United States and other places, but especially in the United States, he's worried that the power of vaccinations is really potentially going to be lost, that it will no longer be an effective medical tool if people decide not to get vaccinated because we've forgotten about how terrible some of these diseases are. Do you worry about that? Well, we often have the challenge that as you get successful, as you get a disease down to very small numbers, people forget and so uh, they back off, you know, they think, gosh, uh, I heard some rumor, you know, maybe I'll just avoid doing it. And the chance uh, their kids say dying of measles is pretty low. But as you accumulate more and more people saying that for whatever reason, eventually then measles does show up, kids get sick and sometimes they die. In rich countries, the numbers aren't yet very large compared to the literally uh, 300,000 kids worldwide will die of measles. Very little of that is in these countries. But the trend uh, is not a good one. And it is wild that just because you get misinformation, thinking you're protecting your kid, you're asked, actually uh, putting your kid at risk as well as all the other kids around them. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, is that crazy? You've almost eradicated polio, and yet we're talking about the resurgence of things like measles and mumps and people dying from the flu because they haven't gotten vaccinated in the United States. Yeah, the ideal uh, is to eradicate these diseases. Measles is so infectious uh, that that would be very difficult to do. So we only have smallpox that got done over 20 years ago. Polio, we're very close to taking us a few years longer than we hoped for because Pakistan, Afghanistan turned out to be difficult, but uh, we're, we're intensifying our work there, and uh, we expect in the next couple of years we will get to zero. I, I saw something that you tweeted, I think that's why I saw it, um, about your favorite infographic. It looks at the world over the last 200 years and then takes uh, the world as a population of 100 and breaks down some of the numbers of just how much progress we've made. I think when people are... Wait, I'm, I'm going to stop it there. I don't want to get into him talking about depopulating the world yet. I don't want to talk. I don't want to get into him depopulating the world. Do you see how he always, he he said small you you guys thought I was lying. Everyone thought I was just kidding, right? Everything's verifiable. Everything's verifiable. Did you hear him say smallpox? Did you hear him say twenty years ago? Do you hear him say smallpox in every video ever? It's like COVID, smallpox, smallpox, COVID, and now there's monkeypox. This is the beginning of monkeypox. You probably don't even know about it yet. But literally in the New York Times yesterday, they were saying how the demand for monkeypox vaccines is so high and it's so outstripping supply, the U.S. government doesn't know what to do after they ordered 15 million doses. Don't believe me? Go do the research. Do your own research. That's the fundamental point here. We started with a video that's, that Bill Gates said it was a conspiracy he said the word conspiracy. It's one of our favorite new words now. We start, I might just change the definition of conspiracy to soon to be truth. So anyways, the soon to be truth is that Bill Gates actually is making money off of these vaccines. I don't even understand how this is controversial. He had exclusive IP rights and they gave it to AstraZeneca, which the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave $55 million to in 2015. And then in January 2019, he writes the op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. It's authored by Bill Gates. And he says his returns being so astronomical. And then he has a history of monopolistic behaviors. That's a weird thing to say. Like, hey, he's got a, this dude's got a history of monopolistic behavior. It's a weird thing to say, I know. But he does. I, there aren't many people that have that history. That's what I mean. It's weird. <laughs> but he does. So if he are already had an antitrust lawsuit that he settled with the government and then moves to philanthropy, is it really that far-fetched to say, wait, what if he does the same thing in philanthropy because he did it once? Or like as Dr. Phil says, and that's not one I quote much, but he's like, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. That may be true, that may not be true, but if someone, come, if someone gets a ticket for speeding, do you think it's less likely that they're going to get caught for speeding in the future or more likely? My money's on more likely, but I'm a gambling man.
So in his Wall Street op-ed, he talks about these returns, which you just heard or you just saw with your own ears and own eyes. And then in this Wall Street Journal, I can't stress this enough. This was written in January, January of 2019. And he literally wrote this paragraph that I am going to read right now. And you tell me, don't forget, this is the same guy who predicted a pandemic and now has a book to prevent the next pandemic when in I'm 33 years old. I don't remember pandemics being like every other year. I don't remember pandemics being a normal course of life. By the way, in his article, he uses the words, our favorite words on this podcast are conspiracy, alt-right, far-right, like Joe Rogan, obviously not far-right. You know, we, we pretty much know something's up when those words are used, right? Everybody's all right. Everybody is, uh, everybody's racist too, especially if you're white. So he wrote, I mean, this is crazy. The problem is I can't find it. Maybe that's my problem. So he writes, oh, here we go. So he wrote this in January, 2019. And you guys take it for whatever you want to take it as. And you can go look up this article yourself. But let's, let's get to it. Okay. He says, every three to five years, each of these three organizations, these are all the, the, gov- the world, I'm sorry, the world government. I can't, I can't even believe I'm saying this. The world government uh, vaccine organizations. So that he has stake in all of them or is funding all of them. Each of these three organizations needs to raise new money. Most of the time, these, quote, replenishments, as they're called, are spaced out. But that isn't the case now. By a fluke of the calendar, Gavi, the Global Fund, and the GPEI will all need more money over the next 18 months. The years 2019 and 2020 are the most important in recent memory for funding the fight against disease. And the urgent question for donors is, Will you continue to invest? My answer is yes, absolutely. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. What happened in 2000, in late 2019, in early 2020? I don't know. Um, there were no more flu cases, according to the CDC. That's true, but that's not what I'm referring to. I know that's what you were thinking. But maybe you're thinking of this thing called COVID-19 that did not come from the Wuhan lab. And if you say that, we will either ban all your communication channels or we'll kill you. Because African leaders are dying all over the place, all the ones that are against the vaccine, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. He wrote, the, this is a quote in his op-ed in the Wall Street Journal in January of 2019, the years, I'm quoting exactly what it says, the years 2019 and 2020 are the most important in recent memory for funding the fight against disease. And the urgent question for donors is, will you continue to invest? My answer is yes, absolutely. And then he goes on to say, but not just because of past success, of past success. 
of past, past success. What? Wait, what are we talking about here? Are we literally talking about these massive big pharma companies that have literally settled billions of dollars in court cases for doing the wrong thing? Are we serious? Okay. Okay. I calmed down and it continues to say, none of these institutions has posted a spotless track record. Really? Okay, Bill. Glad you noticed. What gives me confidence is their capacity to learn often from each other, which is also the interesting thing, everyone, is what he said there is interesting. And I played this on the podcast yesterday, which was, oh, maybe I didn't actually. This is on my TikTok. You can check out at Ownership Economy. But basically it's a clip. It was on Robert Breedloves. It's Dr. Robert McCullough, which if you watch the mainstream media, you would think Dr. McCullough is a quack. But if you do your research on Dr. McCullough, Dr. McCullough is absolutely, abs- yeah, actually the most peer, has published the most peer-reviewed scientific research papers of any cardiologist ever, ever in the history of the world. I just want to repeat that. Dr. McCullough is the most well-published peer-reviewed researcher. Ever. Okay? Take that for what you want. Maybe he's a quack and has these crazy long-term ulterior motives of conquering the world. Or maybe he's a good dude trying to do the right thing. Like Robert Malone, maybe he's doing the right... Listen, everyone, here's the truth. And no pun intended by saying that. The truth always comes out. I know it, it... And especially now that we are in the information age... And we have been in the information age very, since 95, since the internet. But now we're actually experiencing and seeing the crumbling and breaking off of the establishment to these individual sovereigns, which is you, which is everybody, which is everything being privatized, everyone being part of these network states, these communities that they choose to be a part of, not forced to be a part of just because you live somewhere. But maybe you really value nutrition. Which, by the way, I love in that video or audio when he mentions, like, he always ties in, like, Kate, like, saving lives, you know, these radical things that, like, you can't, saving kids' lives, talking about nutrition. Does he ever talk about nutrition? I've never heard the news talk about nutrition and exercise as the best way to not get COVID or not get sick. I have only heard the best thing to do is to do whatever is in the economic benefit of big pharma is that a conspiracy perhaps but i don't ever ever hear the the president of the united states people in power talk about nutrition but he just says oh helping kids with the nutrition what a nutrition that you put in a vial and then put into them one time What kind of nutrition is that? Can you get different flavors? Can you get barbecue, sweet and sour? Is it gluten-free? Is it non-GMO? I'm sure it's non-GMO. It's not like he's in the GMO, genetically modified stuff. It's not like he's making fake trees because real trees take too long. That's real, by the way. That's real. That's how this research all started pretty much besides 
him saying the word conspiracy. Right when we hear the word conspiracy, boom, we jump right into research. So smallpox eradicated 20 years ago. I guarantee I am going to put everything I have on my reputation here that you are going to hear in the good old mainstream media over the next six months, two of the following things. But on topic, one is going to be monkeypox, which is a different form of smallpox. And again, you can listen to the monkeypox uh, podcast if you want. It's good. I mean, I made it, obviously. I'm biased. But um, monkeypox, you're going to hear talked about and it's going to replace the COVID articles. It's going to, you're going to see it just slow. And it just started, I think, I would say it started yesterday when I saw the New York Times one. That's when it really started. But now it's going to ramp up. Guys, I'm not, guys and gals, I am not a wizard predictor of the future. I am a pretty standard peasant dude who's in Cleveland, Ohio, in an unfurnished sort of bedroom at a new apartment, which is pretty nice. That is just simply auditing, verifying everything I'm being told with the evil internet where Bill Gates says the information or the misinformation spreads too fast. The information spreads too fast. Did you know that? He says the information spreads too fast. And what kind of information spreads too fast? You guessed it, the conspiracies that he's talking about. Are we not piecing together truths here? No? Am I, am I, am I alone on this one? Maybe I'm alone on this one. I'm going to keep going, though, because it kind of gets worse. So another thing you're going to hear, and you're already hearing about it, and there's also another podcast episode about that. I'm not trying to boost my podcast, in all honesty. I'm not. I really don't give a shit if you listen to it or not. It means nothing. I'm just trying to do the right thing. And you're seeing food strike. Well, you're probably not seeing enough of what's really going on. But if you really do your research of what's going on in the Netherlands with the food strikes and then Sri Lanka with the famine, there are famines and more and more famines that are coming. And so when I looked at Bill Gates's crunch base profile, he has three profiles. One is like the Bill Gates as an investor. Then he has Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, which gives grants, which gets economic returns, which I don't know how that's philanthropy in any way, because he just buys like bigger houses and farmland. Yeah, he just bought $13.5 million of like tons of farmland, by the way. That's always good. Um, and uh, his top investments, besides this company that's coming up with a cure to yellow fever, even though he's already distributing yellow fever vaccines for 80 years, but whatever, that's, we won't go too much into that, is genetically modified food by AI robots in factories made out of the animal genome, made from a whole bunch of synthetic stuff. He has funded many companies. One, I mean, you guys probably already know, He's been, he's behind the impossible burger. Like he's the biggest funder of impossible or of that company, but he has like four other investments he's made in the course of this year in the mainly in like the past uh, six months. 
And, uh, you know, okay, I know that people are not believing me on this because I have such an incentive to lie, but one of them is called Upside Foods. Go to their site, UpsideFoods.com. Series C funding brings the upside of meat closer. And it's that, it shows real, delicious meat made from animal cells. Coming soon. <laughs> so, if you just look at Bill Gates' investments, you can then bet on the future. If, this, if life was a casino, I would tell you to parlay a famine, and monkey pox for probably 40% of your net worth. I wouldn't want you to go broke just in case you lost. But I'm, I'd probably say, honestly, I would put probably 90% of my net worth on it, but I wouldn't want to be responsible just in case if you lost it. Because it's not guaranteed. There's still unknowns. But I've realized the unknowns aren't really unknowns. It's all a controlled scheme. And the more time we take yelling at each other and pointing things out amongst each other and not pointing that frustration or anger or whatever it is, which are, you know, it's okay to feel those ways every now and then to always feel that way isn't good, but to focus that not only against other people, but usually people you probably actually care the most about like your family and friends and the people you choose to hang out with because you choose to hang out with them. And then you air your frustrations to them and don't point it at the actual culprits, Bill Gates, his buddies at Davos, the World Economic Forum, which literally sounds like a sci-fi movie that this is fake, but it's not. It sounds like a South Park episode or something, you know, like it's, it's almost like the World Economic Forum trying to take over the world. It's like hilariously stupid, but it's, it's as real as it gets. And it's. And, and there's this common thing with people like Bill Gates since the 1800s of eugenics. I mean, that is true. This is true. I mean, that's where Planned Parenthood originally came from. We may not like it. And this isn't taking any side of anything, but it came from controlling the African-American population. That was the purpose of it. And these global elites believe that they should be playing God. And Bill Gates has technologies that controls things like the weather. Now, you definitely think that that's not true, right? Because when I first came across that, and let me tell you how I came across that. When I went downstairs in this new apartment building to record a podcast because I didn't have internet yet, there was these three guys down there and they asked me what the podcast was about. And I was like, well... You know, it was originally about technology and like no code tools and all this stuff, but then the world got all fucked up and like, I'm just trying to tell the truth to help people. Like, I can't believe this is going on. And then I started talking about what's going on and some of the, you know, like the other episodes I did, like Dark Winter, Operation Dark Winter, which by the way, is the release simulation of smallpox in 2001, a pandemic practice of the government. And then you hear Biden over the past two years say it's going to be a dark winter, dark winter. Just search Biden dark winter into YouTube. You'll see a compilation of a hundred times. He said dark winter and then literally go research operation dark winter or just listen to my podcast and you'll get it all in one spot. And I don't like coincidence. Really? Do people just say dark winter? It's not like saying like the word people like dark winter. You gotta go out of your way to say that. Right. And it's basically a way to show other people in power across the world. Like, okay, I'm in on this, you know? 
it's like it's a sub, it's a message to the only people who understand what the operation is, not peasants. So if you didn't even know what Dark Winter was, you're not in the club. You're not in the club. A lot of people think they're in the club. You're not in the club. And before you know it, you're going to be with all the people you thought were not in the club when you thought you were. But yet, guess what? When it comes to go to the cocktail party, your private jet's not going to be there. But you know what will be there? Is your carbon credit tracking device. So if you move more than 15 feet without permission, we are going to ban you from accessing your money in your bank account. This is all about control. I, I am very aware of how crazy this sounds. It sounds just like lunacy. And it's hard to wrap your head around because I don't want to like go too much. I really just want to focus on, on Bill Gates here. But I, I'm not going to say this is a eugenic scheme, but I will say that there are more powerful forces at play here that are trying to slowly take your, let's say, if you believe in human rights, then your human rights, you know, your freedoms, things that you've had for so long that you do not even think or cannot even fathom that they could be gone in, in 2022. But just because something has not happened in your lifetime doesn't mean it hasn't happened all throughout history. There are things, there are a lot of things that happen, what they say, once in a generation. And if that's true, then nobody on earth has perhaps experienced anything like this, so it's new for all of us. And that's why I really, really implore you to read The Changing World Order by Ray Dalio. Whatever you think about the guy, it's currently where we are in the world. He literally explains where we are in the world, and I think he nailed it. And then after you're done with that, and I've said this so many times, then go get the book, The Sovereign Individual, and then that is the blueprint of what the future will be like. So you can read The Changing World Order. That's where we are now. The Sovereign Individual is what the future is. There are two books. They clearly explain it. Those are your answers. So this isn't about a shift in power. The part of it's a shift in power to China. Sure, they're going to be an economy that is three to four times our size. That's true. And so they, therefore, they'll be the global power. But there is another subset of group of people that are trying to be the one world government. That is the World Economic Forum. That is led by Bill Gates, who you will see on stage there. Just Google Bill Gates World Economic Forum and watch the videos. These people don't hide it. They tell you everything in the open. It, I actually, in a weird way, respect them for that. Like, they don't care if you know. They're basically saying, like, we're going to cause famines and psh, you can't do anything about it. That's basically how it comes off. I mean, they actually talk about famines and they talk about all this stuff and, and surveillance. Which, by the way, surveillance, in that video, Bill Gates said, surveillance is a conspiracy. But then in that same video, he applauded Australia for their incredible work. And yet my one post, one of my one posts on TikTok 
of a video of a guy, and I should just pull this up and play it. You know what? This was removed for hateful speech. Actually, it's on my YouTube page, I believe. This was removed for hateful speech. You guys, this is 30 seconds long. I just want you to listen to this or watch this, depending how you're getting this, and you tell me if this is how this is hateful speech. That's just what I want to know. Again, it was on TikTok platform, which is owned by China, and you know how that goes. So, all right. Let me find it. It's a very disturbing thing, this whole thing. Very, very disturbing. Um, maybe I can't find it. I thought it was on my, I swear it was, but whatever, not important. This is what it said though. It said the guy was interviewing this, this creator in Australia. So a creator in America, a podcaster was interviewing this, this, this guy who was a creator in Australia. And he goes, you know, do you, is there anything that, Oh, here it is. I got it. I do have it. So you don't need to listen to me because I know I'm getting annoying and long-winded. So let me just get right to the facts because you know on this show, you know what we like? We love facts. So, all right, here we go. I'm going to play it right now. This was removed for hateful speech on TikTok. Here we go. in the White House at this point in time. You guys are the leader of the free world and everyone is looking to you, you know. Australia, it's do or die. We've got China on our doorstep. And the thing is, if you guys don't find out who you are, if you don't remember what made America great, we're all screwed. That was hateful speech, people. That is a, it doesn't matter. That is a real podcast with a creator from Australia. And I took that clip because it was like, I got, I'm not even a national, we're seeing the dissolution of the nation state. That's what's ultimately happening here. But I guess because it's so deep rooted that you're part of a country, it's hard to not be associated with it. So like, I got like teary eyed, like thinking, you know, I'm not one to have an American flag up and all this stuff. It's like, but when he said that, and I heard that, I was like, oh my God. People today can't, they don't think this can happen. And then it takes me to, wow, you can listen to the podcast on Uvalde, but what's going on with like Uvalde and the gun trap and everyone's taking away guns. And then I look into it and I realize, wait, 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 I'm not a, I've never even held a gun. And I look at why are there guns? Why is that the second amendment, right? Do you know why it's the second amendment? Do you know why the, the founding fathers put it in there? Because it's to protect against tyranny. It's to protect us against the government. If they became too centralized and strong. That is why it's in there. That blew my socks off. But I got socks on right now. I put them back on. No, that really blew my socks off. I'm being serious. It's to protect against tyranny. Not duck hunting. That is crazy. And if you saw what happened in Australia, 
Their guns got taken away. In Canada, their guns are getting taken. The guns are taken away pretty much everywhere except in the U.S. This is an actual methodical takeover. It seems crazy. But it is real, and I can't even stress how important it is, but I will say that the only way, and they're absolutely, and I believe this wholeheartedly, you may think I'm wrong, but there's only one thing, and there absolutely is one thing, I believe, that can take, that can prevent this from happening, and that is all of the people, the peasants, us, coming together and then facing their way and saying, uh-uh, you're not going to do this. Because there is no stronger force than all of the people coming together. There isn't. I don't care how many weapons you have. I don't care how much control you have. Look at Sri Lanka. They overthrew their government because, well, they did everything the World Economic Forum wanted them to do. The Sri Lanka has an ESG score of 98 they have one of the highest ESG scores. The United States has a 51. Sri Lanka has famines. People are starving. They have no government because they fled, because everybody stormed the capital because they're broke, which, by the way, the debt is owned by China and these world organizations, which are funded by Bill and Melinda Gates. And so China's like, okay, fine, we need to restructure. Okay. How about we swap out your currency? You got to use the Chinese yuan instead. Why do they want to do that? Why do you think they want to do that? They want to become the world reserve currency. That's what makes the United States so powerful right now. When you're the world reserve currency, you can lend out to any country in the world. And China wants to re, they want to take over that, like the petrodollar. Like for oil, used to have to be paid in U.S. dollars, which, by the way, Biden's fist bumping with Saudi Arabia leaders over there. That's great. But whatever. Um, you had to pay it for U.S. dollars. Now they're accepting Chinese wands and the U.S. dollar. They're trying to both. I think it's the wand, right? That's not Japan. Is that China? Anyways, they, they now accept China and the U.S. dollar. There's a global shift happening, and I know, and I especially know if you're listening to this, you feel, you may not be able to see it, you may not be able to articulate it, but you know there is something off in this world. I just don't think I'm alone with that. I think you can feel the energy is just off. And that's because we're going through this massive shift. And it's people like Bill Gates and his friends at Davos going on television to these mainstream media outlets that they fund directly or indirectly and say things like people are coming up and spreading conspiracy theories so fast about me wanting you know, to survey people and make money off, off vaccines when literally... We are proving that he's making money off the vaccines. He is bragging about making money off the vaccines. And in his book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic, you heard her go over the bullet points from it, which is we need to have a global surveillance team that acts like firefighters. It's in the book. 
conspiracy theories are no longer conspiracy theories. They're fucking threats. And it's not fun. And it's serious. And more than I would want, I was thinking about this today, which is like, if people can just see this, if people can wake up, if people can go to the real sources, if people can challenge themselves, if people can, if this isn't true, or let me verify, you know, trust but verify. You have all the tools at your fingertips, literally. And when you're being told one thing and it's such a consistent unison thing, message, that message, when Bill Gates goes on TV saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. He has no medical history whatsoever. He's a software engineer. And then you got all these governments saying the same thing in unison. And then you got in a, in a private market, when things are supposed to be competitive, like for example, Apple changed their policy, which screws up retargeting for Facebook, for example, that's called competition. You try to get the most customers. You try to hurt your competitors economically. But in, in what's going on right now and what's been going on for the past couple of years is something I've never seen before, which is the market forces or lack thereof between Moderna and Pfizer and all them. Do you ever, do you see them out competing each other? Do you see like natural market forces competing with one another? Or is it like, oh, take one of theirs, take one of ours, take one of theirs, take four of theirs, take another. Which one is it? It's the only non-competitive $50 billion market I've ever seen in my life. And you know what? I don't think I played this on the last pod. And this was also taken down from my TikTok. Except I, I, it was not. It's not directly about the, the vaccines. It's about this, the, the lack of economic forces, and I, and I disputed it, and they put it back up yesterday. I couldn't believe it. But take a listen or, or watch this, and this is what I'm trying to articulate. This is what I'm trying to say. When Bill Gates says he's not making money, but yet he is making money. Oh, they've now tagged everything with learn more about COVID nineteen vaccines, on TikTok, but. This is Dr. McCullough on the Rich, um, Robert Broadley uh, uh, podcast, who's a big uh, crypto, Bitcoin guy. Robert Breedlove, I'm sorry. He's kind of a boring talker, I'm not going to lie. But he's got really good knowledge. He's super smart. And Dr. McCullough, as we said, is the most published cardiologist of all time. Just listen to what he says. I thought this clip was amazing. I thought it was, I, this blew my mind. I never thought about the lack of competition with, with big pharma, but take a listen or watch this, you know, depending on however you're getting this and make your own determination because we implore you to make your own determination here. We don't force anything down your throat. So here we go. Connection between yeah. this yeah. vast yeah. complex. Right. So you can see some of these. Um, economic observations coming to the fore. So, for instance, uh, you don't see any competition. Competition is a, a product preference is a natural economic force, right? So people choose products. So right now there's no competition between Moderna and Pfizer. Uh, 
There, there's no competitive games between. Is, is better than the other? How about Johnson AstraZeneca? In Europe, we have Novavax and, uh, and have uh, Sinovac, Coronavac. There doesn't appear to be any competitive market forces. We hear uh, a talk in the media and doctor's offices, here, just take a vaccine, take any vaccine. Since when do we do that? I mean, do, don't products naturally compete with one another? Isn't there a winner? Isn't there a loser? Isn't there a one in between? You know something's wrong when you don't see competitive market forces. You know something's wrong when you don't see purchase and then consumption. So it was announced uh, recently that the CEO of Moderna, Stefan Banzel, was declaring large wastage of Moderna. They were actually going to waste doses, tens of millions of doses. Then in the United States, we heard many tens of millions of doses being wasted. Well, companies should only produce as much as consumer demand exists. What happened in these arrangements was pre-purchase. So there was already pre-purchase. The same thing has happened with some other products. I'll give you another example of the crisis where you can tell economics and, and market forces are disturbed, and that's remdesivir. That's a chapter in our book, remdesivir. Remdesivir is an intravenous polymerase inhibitor. Uh, we can use it in acute treatment. Uh, it had hope initially in 2020. It was repurposed, a drug tried in Ebola. And it turns out in the largest trials, the best done trials, it, it didn't reduce mortality. In fact, mortality was worsened. It was kidney injury and liver injury. The World Health Organization did the largest trial, convened a meeting. They went over all the data in 2020. They had ethicists, uh, critical care doctors. I mean, this was a very weighty event in, in the pandemic response. And the WHO said, listen, we can't let this go, go forward. We got to shut it down. Do not use this product. It doesn't work. It's actually going to result in more loss of life. European Society of Critical Care signed on and it said, don't use it. Don't use it. World Health Authority says don't use it. And what happened in America is our CMS, our DHSS and CMS, they actually put a 20% bonus on the hospital payment. It's like a tip on the entire bill. If if remdesivir is going to use, it's about a $3,000 drug. And, you know, we use drugs in the hospital. I'm a doctor. I ordered drugs in the hospital all the time. And even if a drug costs a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars, I wouldn't get a tip on the entire higher hospitalization. Let's say a hospitalization is $200,000. That's $40,000 extra if this drug is used. And the World Health Organization says don't use it. Well, hospital administrators couldn't resist the financial incentives that the U.S. passed down and countless Americans. There were 10 million hospitalizations in the United States. The utilization rate is about 25%. That means a massive number of people were exposed to a potentially deadly drug. And the analysis suggests that the loss of life, we lost a million lives, a million American lives. Some of it was contributed through what we call a perverse incentive. So these are not, you know, economic drivers. Economics, there is medical economics. They are not playing out in pandemic response because of the stranglehold the biopharmaceutical complex has on the entire response about that, the connection between yeah. the... That's Dr. McCullough. Take it for what you want. I'm not here selling anything. I thought that explanation was really, really interesting. 
And by the way, to tie this all back to the real Bill Gates, Ramdesivir, guess who has ownership of Ramdesivir? You thought it was someone else, but you were wrong. It's Bill Gates. It's Bill Gates. And you know who Bill Gates' best man was at his wedding, right? Anthony Fauci. No, that's a lie. I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. But you would have believed it, though, just by the way things are going on this, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not funny. It's a little funny. You think of Bill Gates. He's, like, wearing a suit. He's got, like, a Pfizer pin on one. He's got a Moderna on another. You got Dr. Anthony Fauci taking, like, Polovax and all this stuff and being, like, you know, marrying him and Melinda. All right. That's not here nor there. So, like I said, this simply started by watching with my own eyes. And I know with misinformation, disinformation, words that we use, like they are part of our cultural dialogue, even though they literally came from the Soviet Union and were used as propaganda tools, but we use it like it's normal. Anyways, put that aside. They say the reason it's there is to protect you. But with my own eyes and my own ears, I watched that interview with Bill Gates. And I said something's awry and something's off and his body language is weird. And then I researched all this and found all of this out. But they would say it's conspiracy and misinformation because they want to protect you. You can't forget that. They want to protect you. You cannot handle it. You absolutely cannot make decisions. And by the way, the more you breathe, the more you are polluting society. We need to get rid of you. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's actually also true. Because if you also go back to Bill Gates' TED Talk, and I should play this right now, but I'm just going to paraphrase it. I believe it was 2010, his talk, that he says this, and I would love for you to verify this. He says, he's talking about population growth and let's say depopulation actually. And he says, if vaccines work, we will successfully control the population. I, almost, I started looking like, like I'm looking across, this, like I'm looking left, right, left, right, left, right. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. If vaccines work, you're going to depopulate? Wait, 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 wait. You mean if they don't work, right? So I rewinded it. I watched it again. TED Talk. He goes, if the vaccines are successful, we won't have a population problem. That's not the exact quote, but that's it. Go watch it. There's like 2010, Bill Gates. Talks, Bill Gates' population TED Talk probably will come up. If vaccines work, we basically won't have a problem with overpopulating. Are you serious? Like, sorry for my language, but what the fuck? But guess what? We are going to dictate what you can and cannot hear because you are not smart enough to determine real information from, quote, misinformation. And you need to be protected because you're stupid. You know you're stupid, right? That's what they're saying. These words come from, uh, these words ultimately come from an area where they think people 
cannot make decisions. But on this podcast, we say, fuck that. We think you can make decisions. We think you're really goddamn smart. We think you can achieve seriously, proudly. This doesn't go for everybody. I'm not going to be delusional, but most likely, and I do believe that, you can achieve whatever you want to if you work hard enough and that you can decide what's true and not true. And if you decide something's true and it's not true, well, sucks for you. But we don't need to have a bodyguard or someone at the front checking IDs or should we just change it to vaccine passports to make sure you're okay to be privy to the information. You're okay to be in here because ultimately there's only one club. And I will say this again, you're not in it. I know you thought you were. I thought I was. Six months ago, I thought I was in the club. Shit, I didn't even know there was a club. I thought everybody was in the club. I thought it was just a club of humans. There's no club of humans. There's clubs of global elites at Davos in the World Economic Forum, and there's everybody else. There's Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and their boys, and their tentacles that reach out to Anthony Fauci and other people and all these other crooks. Trudeau, which is a communist country now. You probably didn't even know that. Australia. You heard, you heard about the hateful speech I just played you. You heard how hateful that was. You heard about the misinformation with the, med- with the market economics behind Pfizer and Moderna. That was a lie, right? Everything I'm telling you is a lie. They should do a public hanging with me because of how evil I am to even spread this information so quickly because it's so bad and dangerous. But the truth is, it's the damn truth. And you deserve to know. And you deserve to make your own decisions with what you want to do in your life. And I'm not here and no one should be here to tell you what to do ever for you and your family or anything like that. And you should just live in your little bubble. Don't come into my bubble. I love you, but don't come into my bubble and do whatever you want. And everybody leave you alone and just live your life. I am a true believer that 99.999% of people just want to be happy and live the life they want to live and be free and just don't get in their way. And I've never been more for that in my whole life than I am right now. And I'm so passionate about it. I'm doing this every day because I keep finding out every these crazy things that I thought were conspiracies are not conspiracies. And so there's like 900 news things to talk about. And so I got a great podcast episode every day unfortunately this isn't to like this isn't to gain financial like to even come to the conclusion that i'm the one spinning the stories and telling misinformation when i have no funding from anything and yet the outlets that are saying what the misinformation is is funded by the most massive corporations and governments in the world and that they're the ones to be believed? No, this is, you. we are going through the breaking off, the crumbling of the establishment and everything with Bill Gates and everything that's going on behind closed, well, it's not even behind closed doors, it's at the World Economic Forum, is going to be exposed over the next year and it's gonna get weird. So 
I just don't want people to freak out when they start hearing about the famines in a couple months. And when you start hearing about monkeypox spreading like crazy, which I think's already just started happening, that podcast was like a month and a, half, a month ago or something. Smallpox was eradicated 20 years ago. There's no cure for the, you know, the, uh, you know, that mosquito uh, with yellow fever, but yet there's a vaccine for it. Yet Bill Gates is funding something to research to find a cure, but he's okay giving everybody a yellow fever vaccine, even though there's no cure. Like, what is going on here? I feel like I'm in fucking bizarro world. I really do. There's no enjoyment in this besides the fact that I feel really, really good about myself talking about this because every, and I've said this before, every ounce of my being tells me I should not be outspoken about this. I should just shut up. I should comply. I should not do it. And I think that's how a lot of people feel. I think that because we hear from these powerful sources for so long, like, you know, don't talk or you see people get censored and all that. Like the fact that censorship is a word we use in dialogue, like should people be censored or not censored? What is going on? Are you, what, in what world did we grow? What? I'm 33. I didn't grow up in school, like, and school is a whole other thing, but I didn't grow up learning from anything like, oh yeah, you know, we should censor that or censor that. No, it was like, oh, you know, freedom of speech. Is this freedom of speech? Freedom of speech? Everything's freedom of speech. Oh, but don't say bomb in a movie theater. Okay. Okay. But what about like information on medical stuff? Yes, we should have debates. We should have real economic forces at play. Because to, to have the audacity to say that when the largest, most powerful governments come together with the largest, most powerful corporate institutions, with the individuals who have hundreds of billions of wealth like Bill Gates, that the decision that's going to be made in that circle is going to be what's best for you is the most is one of the most dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. I, I, I'm not, it's just dumb. Like why, why would the solution be what's in the best interest of you? Why? Don't you think it'd probably be in the best interest of them? Like when you make decisions, do you make decisions based on what's the best? What'd you say? It's grade A bootlicker mentality, Andrew. Um, when you make decisions in your life, do you make the best decision for Jonathan Kogan? Is that what you think of? Like when you eat tonight, are you going to say, what does Jonathan Kogan want? Maybe we should get spaghetti because that's what I want. Sounds pretty good. No. 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 You're selfish. You're supposed to be selfish. You can't even be selfless before you're selfish. You can't save the world until you've saved yourself. You can't love anyone until you love yourself. So you do things for yourself first. So in any decision-making process... The person making the decision is most likely going to be swayed to make what's in the best interest of themselves as they should. I'm saying that's the right thing. But in an economic public health instance, you cannot run things that way. Maybe that's a crazy point of view. I just think that I don't believe that these polls and these tidbits of information of People agreeing with, I think the vast majority, I truly believe that the vast majority of the world feels this way. And that's why I'm talking about it because I'm totally convinced now that I'm not alone. And to put this stuff out there is really hard. And hey, don't do it because I don't want competition with you.
no, you should do it. We need more independent media creators. But that type of mentality of like, don't do it, or we don't need any more people in this market space, that would be something that would be in my best interest. To tell you not to be a creator or to talk about this stuff on call-in or on a podcast or on YouTube would be in my benefit, but I'm telling you to do it. But when they tell you to do something, it is in their best interest. And I don't know why that's such a silly thing to say. And Derek, I see you calling in, but I can't, I can't pick up on this call because I'm recording the podcast and the YouTube, but let me do it next time. I'm sorry, I can't get it. I do apologize. I'll do it, the next call. I'll do one in a little bit with everybody or with calls and stuff with everybody. So here's the takeaway. I have a bunch of information. I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll put all these, um, I'll put all these sources. There's a good like 20 of them. I'll put them in the show notes. I always, I do that with all the shows. Actually, I, I make this thing called e-link and I basically, you click one link and it'll be like a web page, mobile optimized stuff that pulls up all the sources and you can go look at it yourself. So if you just want to check, you can go look at that it's, again. It's going to be called in case you forgot the podcast, but it's in case you forgot the ownership economy right now, um, or go on YouTube. I post them. And I'm going to put all the sources there because there's a lot more I could talk about with Bill Gates, but I don't, I, I see it's been a long time and I feel like I'm a little long. I feel like I'm a lot long winded and I feel like everyone's probably sick of my voice. So, um, I mean, I'm kind of sick of it. And so, uh, I do kind of disagree helping your family. What does that mean, Andrew? And, uh, and so listen, here's the takeaway. When you hear the word conspiracy on TV, when you hear the word misinformation, disinformation, all I'm saying is go do your research on it and see if it's true. I don't know what the harm is in that. I don't see how that's not in your best interest. I just don't. And I didn't see the whole comment from Andrew. So I'm going to read it out loud. And then, so I'll take this one text message. Or actually, if anybody wants to put in text, I'll answer all of them. Well, let's do that because I can't. I have headphones on, so I can't pick up the rest. And I'll record this part. But that'll be the end of the episode, and then whatever's here is what I'll, I'll go through, and then we'll end it. So Andrew said, I do kind of disagree. Helping your family, friends, and neighbors, even if you're in a tight spot, works out for the best. But your point is well taken that it's idiotic to assume the WEF, IMF, World Bank meetings, etc. are done for the best interest of the general public. It's grade A bootlicker mentality. So, okay. So maybe I'm not sure what I said. So your first part where you said helping your family, friends, and neighbors, even if you're in tight spot, works out for the best. I totally agree with that. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. So my point is this, is like, it's this whole self-actualization, self-actualization, whatever it is, the pyramid. Um, you have to, you have to, to start with yourself before you can go on to help anybody else. Like there is no way you can love somebody else if you truly don't love yourself. So you have to go through the process and whatever you have to go through to really authentically love yourself. And then you can go on and love everyone else. But like, if you have needs that are not met, then you cannot meet the needs of others in my opinion. So I do believe it's always in the best interest to help people and tell the truth because that's always going to be in the best interest of those people and you, always. It's always to your 
selfish benefit to do the right thing. It's like, this will not end well for Bill Gates. This is going to, I think he's going to end up in prison one day. I think all this comes out. That's my guess. So all I'm saying is, is that everybody wants to save the world, but yet they're miserable every single day and hate their life. Well, how are you going to go and save the world if you fucking hate yourself? That's my point. That's, that's what I was getting at. You have to. You have, in other words, you have to scratch your own itch before you start helping other people with anything. You got to get yours. And that's not a bad thing. Being selfish is not a bad thing. Being, achieving your own goals first is not a bad thing. Sometimes we frown upon that society, but it's absolutely not a bad thing. It's sort of a requirement in order to be there for everybody else authentically. Everybody wants to skip the part where you got to really love yourself and do for yourself and just do for others. And then you think that that hole or that gap is going to be filled by helping others. But then in fact, it's not, it's just exacerbated or you just kind of get disconnected or disassociated. It doesn't fill that gap. You have to address that gap first, become whole. I've been through this myself. That's why I'm talking about this. I mean, I've, I mean, I've been, you know, through treatment facilities and all this stuff and all like more therapy than 9 trillion humans probably combined. It's not a good thing, but it did end up being a great thing. I could probably be a psychiatrist. Who knows? But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta come to terms with who you are, what your goals are, go and get those or achieve whatever they are. It doesn't matter what it is. It's not about how much money you make or whatever it is. You might like riding horses and that makes you happy. Well, then you got to live a life that revolves around that in some capacity. And then you can then help someone else achieve their goal of maybe owning a horse and riding it. I mean, it's a weird example, but you understand what I'm saying. So yes, I'll end with this and I'm going to do other segments later, but I did not think this was going to go on this long. I appreciate everyone listening this long. I, I really do. Um, the point is, whenever you're told to take something as is and do not question it, I think it's imperative that you question it. Whenever you're told something is absolutely true or 100% this or 100% that, that that requires an audit. It requires verification because nothing or very little is a hundred percent. In fact, the only thing that seems to be a hundred percent is the mainstream media being wrong. And that's an accomplishment. Like that's amazing. That is hard. It's hard to be a hundred percent anything, but seriously, if you're told something is for sure or don't question it or just trust us or, you know, trust science, whatever it is, most things are dynamic, not static. Things change. Things evolve. You get more information. Our opinions change. The data we have changes. And so, therefore, the way you respond to it might be different. Or your conclusion might change. And that's okay. That's fine. We're supposed to adapt. That's what we do. That's why we're awesome. We adapt better than any other species. The only problem is we adapt at the 11th hour. And I'm just asking, can we not do that this time? In every other time in history, we adapt when literally the back's against the wall and to survive, you need to change. Can we not be under a totalitarian regime and then figure shit out? 
Can we instead just like do this now? That would be much better. So I got another one from Dare Bear. Jonathan, your voice is perfect for criticizing Bill Gates. You sound like a younger Bill Gates. What? Before he lost his soul. You sound like his alter ego before he got super duper excited about sweaters, fat haircuts, and controlling other people. It's hilarious. Isn't that amazing that you have all that money and you look like a schmuck? <laughs> like, how do you have $100 billion and you look like a disheveled mess? And not only that, this is also coming from the dude who's telling you everything's fact, yet after Epstein, this is a little off top. Well, not really. It's about Bill Gates. But Jeffrey Epstein, there's pictures with Bill Gates, with Jeffrey Epstein, many of them after he was already a convicted sex offender. And he says in the interview on ABC how it was a big mistake and that he was just doing it because he was raising money for public health. Well, is that an excuse? Really? Really? Are you supposed to raise money from sex offenders? Is that just okay? Is it if, if you're looking for money, it doesn't matter where it comes from? Really? Would everyone be okay if it was, you know, if the mainstream media said, hey, we want to get some advertisement from Russia? They freak out. Like, <laughs> come on. You can't just, that's not a valid excuse. And then the fact that he got divorced, not saying that's a bad thing. It's better to be happy individually than force a marriage or anything. But like this guy has all these slip ups. And his wife said that there was a sexual thing with someone else, but that is a question for Bill to answer. Like she left up to him, but he's seen at a hundred different locations, not a hundred, but a lot with Jeffrey Epstein. And then of course, Jeffrey Epstein's dead because he committed suicide. Come on, please. That's absurd. Yeah, right. Like my ass. Are you serious? Well, Dare Bear, I, I don't know. I, I sort of appreciate that, that comment. I feel a little weird about it. I don't like the way Bill Gates talks and his hands. He bends his fingers like so far back. It's so weird. He just like, it's like he's like, it's almost like you're trying to stretch your fingers out so much. And I, I just can't trust it. You know, like the palms really far out and the fingers are, you know, like you're pushing them out as far as possible. Uh, it's, it's honestly like a little bit like of a, of a feminine thing with the hand, I would say. It just seems very untrustworthy because I don't see normal people doing that. And when I say normal people, I mean peasants. And when I say peasants, I mean you. And if that makes you mad, go buy a membership to Davos in the World Economic Forum. It's only $100,000, so don't worry about it. While everybody's getting poor and broke, Bill Gates made like $12 billion last year. But he's not making money off vaccines. It's a conspiracy. All right. You guys get where this goes. We're all on the same page. We're questioning those in power. We're questioning those with all the resources. And if that's a crime, then let's... Have them arrest us. So you know what? You guys are safe because you guys are listeners. But come arrest me. I don't care. I'm going down with this ship because it's someone's got to do it. There's a lot of people doing it. In fact, I'll even put some names out there. I think Russell Brand's doing a really good job. Uh, I think the show uh, on YouTube, you can listen to Unheard. I don't know his name, but he's doing a pretty good job too. 
Um, and you're seeing more and more pop up, especially since this, um, I won't get into this, but the whole, the 10 year old girl rape in Ohio and, you know, the false things that came out, the true things, the false things, the true things, the redaction, the not redaction, the redaction, that, that's really shining a light. I think that's waking a lot of people up too. That was like, kind of like the, I feel like that's the straw that broke the camel's back in my opinion, but I'm not Bill Gates. I'm not a monopolist. I don't think I can even become a monopolist. That's a, that's a, that's tough. Like that, I give them respect for that. But to be a monopolist on public health, that's not okay. In fact, I'm going to go out there and say it's fucked up. And I'm not standing for it. I'm as uncomfortable as it is putting this stuff out. The fact that you guys are here listening to it at least makes me want to go and do one more. And then perhaps there's more people than one more and one more. Because when you're doing this and nobody's in the room or nobody's listening or you see zero listens, it's discouraging and you feel like you're the only one. But I just, I don't think that's the case. And you guys are proving that out. And we got to be there for each other. Strip those labels away from you. Just call yourself a human being. Look at everyone else. They're human beings. Have some empathy. Go get what you want. Help other people. And I'm seeing that more and more. And remember who we are. We're people that are trying to do what's best for humanity authentically. And selfishly, it provides the best result for me. Because then if we cross paths, maybe you'll be nice to me rather than want to kill me. So it's in my best interest to do the right thing. That's why I'll end with that. I appreciate all of you. Appreciate everyone listening to this that's already recorded or if everyone's watching this on YouTube. Again, in case you forgot the ownership economy, right now it's the name of the podcast. I'm Jonathan Kogan. I appreciate the comments that I did get already. And I got a lot more coming and all of the um, resources and uh, references, sorry, references will be in the show notes and I'll have it up here in the next hour. So if you want to check it out, just click that link and you'll see everything that I found. Go audit, verify, do whatever you want with yourself and, um, and yeah, be free. That's, that's what this is about. Thanks everybody.